Welcome to the Sisterly Podcast. I'm Nicole, the older sister, and I believe in telling the hard, raw truth, even though you might not like hearing it. And I'm Sunny, the baby sister, and I'm what you might call the voice of reason in the family. We are so alike, but we're also pretty different, and we believe that everyone deserves a sister. And now, we want to bring you into this crazy, loving family. Welcome Welcome to to Sisterly. Hey guys, welcome back to the Sisterly Podcast. I'm Sunny. And this is Nicole. And we wanted to talk about a topic today that I feel like so many women relate to on some level or another. As you probably know by now, we are both moms. I have a seven-year-old son and a five-year-old daughter and a -a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter. And And just to refresh everybody, I have an 11-year-old tweener at this point, a son who will be 10, and then a baby who is two. Yeah, so no matter what stage of parenthood you're in, if, if you've given birth or experienced the just massive hormonal swing that comes with having a child, um, you know how totally crazy those first months, some people up to a year, Mm -hmm. are after having a kid. You are on a roller coaster that is indescribable to anyone who hasn't experienced it because it's just... It's just intense. It's pretty intense. And, yeah. and I think with the first child, it is like a wave that just knocks you over. Mm-hmm. Like, whoa. And there's so much more discussion about postpartum um, issues now. There, We do want to differentiate. We know that there are different things that happen to people. Postpartum depression is obviously different than baby blues. Depression would be more severe um, when it comes to mood swings, excessive crying, difficulty bonding. Baby blues is usually termed as something that's just a, like a little bit of general anxiety or sadness or whatever. Um, I've talked really openly about the fact that I feel like I had just, I've, my anxiety is like higher after kids. Well, I but will, I, I wasn't, I did not experience postpartum depression, but I have, well, I didn't experience anything with my first two. So I remember when you were telling me about, yeah. was post- it the First, third, ba- was it third? Ba- yeah, no, it for me. Oh, for you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. For you, it was one. No, it was well, it was really bad with with two. With the second, okay, one. yeah, my daughter. Well, I I remember looking at because I feel like I like to be in control of my emotions all the time because I think I'm so out of control. I think I I obsess over controlling and making sure that I'm okay. I remember looking at you and and thinking because I already had two kids, I didn't experience anything, and and thinking to myself, how like get it together like Mm -hmm. how can it be that bad yes it's an adjustment with your first one yes your whole life is gone yes you never know if it's coming back not even to mention the jello that your body is yeah like looking at that but you just could not get it together I didn't understand I was working that time full-time like a night shift I had wonky working hours I know a lot of moms out there can relate to like having to go back to work was like a big thing on the top of my mind after having my first so I think compounding the extra work out of the house with trying to understand my baby and that wasn't even bad it was with Sam it really wasn't even that bad it was really bad with with our daughter with Francesca it was just like I just entered a territory where and it wasn't day to day where you anyone would look at me and be like oh you're really like struggling. you're not curled up in a ball no. in the corner crying I holding your TV. knees to your chest no right. I was on TV every day you're showering laughing. your makeup yeah. you're looking but inside it's like mm-hmm. a top that spins and it's like what if what if what if what if what if this happens what if that happens I mean we were just laughing before this episode episode started I'm still it, it changed something in me forever I'm a more anxious. I'm anxious. I now. think being a mom changes right. something in you forever anyway right. and then and then compounded with the trauma of that and I will say, you know, that the postpartum depression and anxiety that I experienced mm-hmm. was traumatizing. I was I was, you know, discussing this with a friend at lunch um just before this as well and um I am familiar with being an anxious person. I've owned it. I am a 
slave to it at this point and I've I've learned how to adjust mm-hmm. but but feeling depressed for the first time in my life feeling mm-hmm. sad feeling heavy feeling dark feeling down was so fucking scary to me yeah that I, I didn't know what to do with myself yeah we're we're sharing this experience with you guys just to sort of like open this door to the conversation to let you know you're not alone but I want to go back to like when you had your third, there was like a period of eight years between your son and the baby being born. Mm-hmm. And with, with monumental life changes as well. Monumental life changes. New Divorce, partners, new partner, you new know, baby daddy, new everything, mm-hmm. like everything. And you came over to my house and um, it was like the lights were on, but nobody was home. Mm-hmm. I was like, and you were like, I, I mean, can I tell them what you were saying? Sure. You were just like, I don't know if I can live like this. Like, I was like, when you said that, it was like record scratch. Mm-hmm. And I really meant that. It was, I remember the feeling, the cir- the circle in my head, right? That just kept going and going and going and going. And all I wanted to do, I knew I wasn't myself. I knew I didn't like mm-hmm. it, but I couldn't get off the ride. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to unzip my skin and I wanted to step out and emerge again as this beautiful butterfly that was airy and light and anxious and happy and funny and silly and I couldn't do it mm-hmm. and it was affecting it was affecting my life with at home with my kids with everybody everyone it was scary Family, it was so friends, dark partner. yeah I mean and this is why I think it's so important to, to have this discussion because there are people in your life I feel like who can recognize changes in you better than you can recognize sometimes yourself or you know a third party can say well that feels like not normal. Yes, I know she just had a baby, but there's always something that you pick up on as a partner of a woman who's going through this or a friend or a family member that feels different. And like us sharing our experiences, I think just um, encourages people to be on the lookout for that Mm -hmm. because there was no one around me telling me, I mean, I was like, there were so many things happening. There were so many things happening. And and I was going through my, uh, I was going through the divorce at the time. Mm -hmm. So uh, I mean, and I, I didn't pay attention. I knew, but I, I couldn't relate either. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard for for people to understand that feeling. And I know there are people who, who don't have kids who suffer from anxiety or depression and understand that feeling where you just know something is a little off and you know that you have to change it, but you don't know how. So t- like, well, how did you turn that corner? I know, but they mm. don't. I think, and, and you maybe you perceive this differently than I do, but I knew because it was affecting so many other, first of all, I knew because I felt different. I didn't like it and I wanted to change it, but I was, it was affecting so many other areas of my life that it shouldn't have been touching. It was this blob of slime that dropped onto the table that was seeping into the corners of things. It should have never gotten. Like what? Like relationships? Rela- friendships? Relationships, friendships, um, being irritable with my other kids who had nothing to do with it mm-hmm. um I never lost connection with the baby or anything like that I can't I can't relate to that but it just it overflowed into every sink of my life well and you did uh, we we approached our issues differently I think what you were dealing with might have been a little more extreme I think mine is just like baseline just like a humming anxiety like but I think yours was a little more intense and like People deal with this in different ways, guys, and that's the okay thing about this. Like, when we brought this up as a podcast topic to talk about, the whole point is to, like, let everybody know, like, it's it's cool however you want to deal with it. You just have to deal with it. I do well, not I, go a I do, I do want to say this because I think it's super important, and I was speaking with the same friend at lunch about this specifically. Um, 
I always thought that showing my feelings was a sign of weakness. I always hated that I couldn't be in... Con- I always thought the, the the weakest people were the people that cried, the, the mm-hmm. people that were vulnerable, the people that just opened up. Because I was so scared of what's inside of me, I always put that shield up. But it wasn't until I had that postpartum moments, that that stage in my life where I was either going to open up or I wasn't I wasn't making it through. Like and it was it was that serious. It was that serious. I was also the type of person that never wanted to take an Advil for an ache or a pain because I don't know. I don't know why I just, I didn't do it. But um, for me to get on medicine and a good a good dosage at that point was really humbling. I think um, that God puts things in, when I say I don't or I can't or I I think God puts it in my life purposely. So I was that person that never wanted to acknowledge my feelings, never take medicine. I judged when people cried. I judged when people were weak and he just, he gave it to me. Mm -hmm. And so I humbled myself to medicine. I humbled myself to opening up and, and telling everyone I couldn't carry the load. I couldn't. Do you feel different now? On medicine? Or like like your whole outlook about people who are vulnerable, about people who share. Yes. And I think I always looked at you as that weak one. Yeah, but I'm pretty tough. I know. Pretty badass. <laughs> Here's the thing. I I mean, I've always, we talked about this in the intro episode. I've just always, I've always been able to articulate my feelings. I just like talking. I like understanding things. And I think when you get in a pattern of being able to express yourself, it becomes a habit. It becomes comfortable. And you really can't, especially the more people you involve in your life if you, as you have a partner and as you have children, if you can't be accountable for your emotions and express them in a way that those around you can understand, you're going to lose people. They're yes. going to drop off quick. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I learned that because, I mean, here I am, you know, juggling a full-time job and on TV and I had to look nice and I had to come across coherently on TV and I I just started to realize okay if I don't start telling people what's happening like one thing is going to fall out of place and the whole castle is going to tumble but I love that there's conversation about this I interviewed um in fact um when when we get this up and running this episode in particular I interviewed this guy from his name is Stephen D'Achille he Mm -hmm. started the Alexis Joy Foundation which is a postpartum care facility it's based in Pittsburgh it's with the Allegheny Health Network and his wife um, killed herself after having their first baby and his story is one of extreme um, devastation because they had reached out to multiple doctors and had multiple people tell them it'll be fine it'll pass he alone in coming out discussing his story has made so many um, so many more people comfortable talking about this and has made a change as a result. Like how cool is it that we are able now to acknowledge this exists, acknowledge that it's different for everyone and the outcome is there's a new facility in place. There's more discussions about it. It can feel tiresome. I get that like when you log on Instagram there's so many like oh this is like my experience with mother. But really those I love when those conversations happen even though they may feel excessive because if there's one person scrolling through one day who reads something and says, okay, I'm not alone, that re- that might give them a couple more days to ask for help. And I think it's wonderful that there is um, a focus with Stephen on 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 the men mm-hmm. oh, coming yes. into this. I, it yes. is, and just because we're different creatures biologically, we don't see the same, we don't feel the same, we don't talk the same, um, I think it's amazing that he's 
bringing awareness to, mm-hmm. to the men mm-hmm. he is, because who knows you better than your partner yeah and in and really in teaching like i said in teaching people's partners what to look out for you you have a ripple effect it's not you know it's multiple people looking out for that one person who now can maybe get the help she needs and it is kind of disappointing this is another thing you don't fully understand I didn't fully understand until I had kids how little attention is paid to mom's aftercare. Like there doesn't, I do think not to get like super crunchy granola about it, but I do think there needs to be more care directed at the woman. You know, you have the baby checkup, you know, the most I ever got, I don't think my, I don't think my doctor ever was like, you know, how are you or how are you feeling? Well, Tell and if me. they did it, I think it was for liability reasons. Only. Yeah. Yeah. I remember like I had to call my OBGYN and I, I don't know that anyone has ever done this. I set an appointment in his office and I like treated him like a therapist. I feel kind of embarrassed now years out, but I said, this is what's happening. And I feel like no one's listening. So I made an appointment with you like outside of the stirrup room <laughs> because I want you to look in my face and understand. And he talked to me about medication options at that point. I chose not to because I felt like, um, and I still feel like I've been able to moderate these symptoms just with some lifestyle changes, but um, it really took, and I'm, I feel like I only got that because I'm so persistent. Like, if what if someone who is, was experiencing that didn't want to, like, I had to track him down. I had to find when his office hours were. I had to go well, in with mommy. I think it's important, mommy. too, to, to mention, her. especially with your first child, I think it's important for moms to kind of group together, mm-hmm. to support each other, pick up the phone call, find a group. I know that I had my first baby alone. Like, every one of you guys were up yeah, north. you were the first one. I was and, the first one And your down friend here. group? Oh, I had no friends. I had no family. It was hard. It was difficult. And luckily, I I just didn't experience, I don't know if it came with age, you know, 10 years, nine years later, that the the hormones came into play with the third baby. But luckily, I was okay and didn't didn't have the postpartum with the first two. But it's it's lonely Mm. with without the postpartum. Yeah, it's lonely. It's lonely. In the easiest of days. I would just sit and hold him in the rocker. And Sammy and I would be like, is this it? And then like, couple that with wonderful. lack of sleep. Yes. Though. And my kids were never, I don't know, my kids mm. were not criers or fussy babies, but they were wakeful children. They just, it took a lot of effort to get them to sleep. And I remember like, I would I would do the five S's, the Dr. Sears. Oh, like, I love, no. Swaddle, shush. That was happiest baby on the block. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's his name again? Oh, Harvey Karp. Harvey Karp, that's right. Dr. Yes. Sears is for other stuff. I still think that's that's <sighs> one of the best. I would. And we'll stand the test of time. It's amazing. The fourth trimester. Yeah, you should definitely, definitely look up Dr. Harvey Karp. That's Karp with a K. But um, I would swaddle and shush and whatever and shake and whatever. And he would finally fall asleep and I would set him down and he would wake up. And I would want to throw myself on the floor and just, I was like, I can't. I can't do this anymore. Mm. And that's with a supportive partner. Um, but yeah, I, you know, there are, here's some things that worked for me as far as like we're talking lifestyle changes. I, I think there are people out there who want to treat it in different ways or want to look into other ways of managing that stress without going the medication route. We talked about this before, but therapy was huge for me. Like getting with, a, especially a woman therapist who, who could understand some of the hormonal women things. Women get women. Women get women. We so need that was men, huge. but women get women. Yeah. So therapy and then just like taking time to be outside alone and like walks, like little things like that really added up for me. Just being away from everyone. And that that usually works for me on a day-to-day with just generally who I am as a person with anxiety and that major type A. But um, when that isn't enough, mm-hmm. I really think a psychiatrist, someone that can, a doctor yeah. um, can that can 
take it to that next level. And, um, you know, I continue two years later to stay on uh, medication. I know that I, I did have such a hard time in the beginning. I said, okay, I'm, I'm fine. I'll do it. Six months, I'm going to wean myself off. And then six months came and I was like, wow, I, I like who I am. I like mm-hmm. where I am. And I'm going to chill for a little bit. So in a year, I'm going to reevaluate. A year came and I said, no, this is, this is still good. It, it was just that missing piece of the puzzle mm-hmm. that made everything fluid for me. Mm-hmm. And so a year and a half, reevaluated again. And then, like I said, um, I, I, I actually did probably about two or three months ago, take my dosage down. Mm-hmm. And everybody immediately, you know, mommy actually, and um, people that were closest to me were able to see just the, the levels on me go up a little bit. So I'm going to do long term, just continue I don't know. To I'm okay. Yeah. But you're okay, okay with it. And it's important to destigmatize that. Like this is what works for some people. And that's, that's fine. I think it's important though. I, I do go to weekly talk therapy um, for some other, other things that have nothing that relate to postpartum just for general mental well-being. Um, but I think it's important to stay in touch with your doctor. I have no social life, so I don't mix my medications yeah. with alcohol or, yeah. you know, recreational drugs. So it's, it's, I'm living You're a pretty clean, clean yeah. lifestyle at this point. Um, but I do recommend to keep in touch and make sure that your dosages are, are where they need to be. What would you tell, I, I think about this a lot, like a new mom, someone who's about to have a baby, if she were like, okay, like what can I expect? And you had to sum it up. I always say you don't know until you know. I just can't even put it into words. Does that sound scary? (laughs) Someone told me that. I'd be like, oh my God. It's beautifully scary. It is. It's really complex. Um, You know, rely on the people that love you. Yeah, and rely on your instinct. That's what I would tell people. I feel like I spent so much time I think there's a place for this, but buying books on sleep training and on raising kids when in fact the best compass is within. Oh, totally. I mean, there are tips and practical things you can take away. And I think if you're, for example, interested in sleep training, there are some things you can do practically speaking. But every time I would ask someone for advice and it didn't feel right, and I would try it for a day. I'm like, I just, I can't do it. There's like nothing that taught me to trust my instincts more mm-hmm. than this. I agree. You'll know. I mean, yeah. That's the beauty of mommyhood. (laughs) And speaking of which, I got a text from Andrew here. Um, My anxiety continues to this day because um, I just called him. I'm like, I can't get in touch with the babysitter. Yeah, it's not not real life. It's not right. (laughs) And they're five and two and a half. Oh, God. Okay, let's talk quickly um, about some other things relating to childbirth, early stages. There's this whole thing going on, um, this discussion going on in the internet right now about gender disappointment. This is a thing. I'm so curious about that. I've never heard the word. So it's when you find out you're having a baby of a certain sex and you're disappointed. Right. I I get it in the literal sense, but... I mean, what are they doing when they're disappointed? Just crying. <laughs> I, I, I had gender disappointment oh in like a really early stage of finding out we were having well, a Well, hopefully. But uh, that sounds really crappy. But I mean, well, hopefully he's the love the, of, literally the love the, of my the, life the, now, gen, so. the people that are disappointed with their genders, it's like their first kid and they don't understand yeah. what a blessing it is to have a, a, a baby. A, a baby, baby. Yeah, right, I know. right. And that is what matters. And I think that's, but, but that's part of it. Like they're probably being tired of being told, well, just be glad you're having a baby. Of course they're glad. But I I cannot, this. I you okay. can't relate. I can't relate. I was a little, like, because we came from a girl family and not that I was scared to have a boy, but I was like, I was anxious, like, what do I... I was anxious with my boy. But you had your girl first. Right. So you were, like, in familiar parenting territory by the time you got okay. to the boy point. Okay. But now, 
I don't know. People are talking about this. I, I like that this is a conversation. I, I don't think. I think this is a waste of words. I it's think. So I just had lunch with a girl last week and she's like, I had my second boy. And how old is she? Our age. She's wow. in her 30s. Yeah. I, I mean, I, see, I don't judge. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying I wanted a boy. No, I don't. But, I but to girl. coin a term, for me, to coin a term. and they were dis- Mommy and dad were disappointed that I was a girl. Remember? Yeah, but I mean, did they hashtag trend? No, but we're, this is like the whole it's world. It's a real feeling, now. I yeah, know. But the more we re- give into this hype and, and acknowledge, uh, for me, this is yeah. just my opinion, the gender disappointment, yes, you can be sad if it's a girl, and yes, you can be sad if it's a boy. Um, but like, let's not well, feed you, into you the can't, gender disappointment. You can't dwell on it, but it's real. Okay. I, well, I, you I, know what? I'm I thinking of look two other friends I know that, I mean, we've spoken candidly about this. I mean... Well, nowadays they're able to pick the sex now, which I just, you know, that's oh, you a whole discussion. That? Yeah. Oh, with, yeah, there's some. With IVF. Oh, with IVF. Right. Yeah. Um, I just find that fascinating. And, you know, if you're out there and in that boat, I feel you. I don't judge you because. I'm not judging. No, but I, I mean. Don't feel you. There is a term for everything these days. And there is, uh, like we said, with the opening of the discussions about everything surrounding motherhood, we're finally starting to, like, put a name to all these, like, little feelings we had that we're kind of embarrassed to talk about before. Yeah. But some things are... What about birth? This is something you didn't experience either, so I don't think you're going to get this at all. So what? birth plan disappointment. I Mine carried out yeah, well. So you can't even understand right. this. Okay. But I, I can no. imagine that. Yeah, you can imagine this. This is real. We had an emergency C-section after 34 hours of labor. That's a lot. Oh, my God. Can you... I mean, I was at work. Oh, with my first, with our son. 34 hours. And I went in uh, into labor... At the news station, I was taping something, and the cameraman, I just like, like I couldn't talk. And he said, what's wrong? And I said, I'm just like, I should have a contraction, but I, I, I think it's just, you know, a Braxton Hicks or whatever. So we tried to go and continue, and I just, every time I would speak, my words would just not happen. Do you think that... And that was the beginning of 34 well, do hours. Do you think that my two births... Your birth, mama that. births? Yes. They you were like, it. um, I mean, like chanting in the corner with the doula. It was, it was like a bush woman. You were bush baby. <laughs> I, was, I was bush mama. You were bush mama having bush babies. I was. I, I, luckily I was able to carry out my plan. Um, uh, my first two children were conceived with, in, by in vitro. So, um, originally I did want to have a home birth, but I listened to the doctor's advice on that just because there were some complications, doctors, right? Yeah. yeah, because there were some complications. So I did actually end up uh, going to a hospital, but I was able to, and it's it still amazes me. A woman's body still amazes me. I was able to have the first two without an epidural um, and see that through from beginning to the end. It's an, a vaginal birth is amazing. Amazing. I did two VBACs, but I had to fight tooth and nail well that's that's a whole v- we should do that a separate episode I mean like I, I don't know why it's so much more accessible now this was when our middle was born so five five plus years ago I just changed doctors at seven and a half months pregnant and the yeah, only V-backs reason they let me take like on champion women yeah it was that was like bush mama mm-hmm. I went into the doctor and I was like listen I want to have a V-back. And he started to go into why, like, I couldn't and shouldn't. I well, just liability started again. crying. Uh, a, v- for, a V-back is vaginal birth after C-section. Right. Yeah, for anyone who. Um, so, yeah, the only reason I'm convinced he let me come on as a patient, he's like, I'm full. I just don't think this. I was like, I just lost it. Andrew sat in the corner and was just like, Ugh. and the guy was like, okay, we'll try it. And I went into labor with 
Francesca two days before a scheduled C-section. But I, but that birth trauma is real. And like, you know, I, I can't ever like, yes, it was beautiful. My VBAC is, remains one of the things I'm most proud of. But now that I have the benefit of, of like, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? Like of, of hindsight. Yeah, looking back at the moment where after that 34 hours, I couldn't get him out. He was stuck. Mm. I remember. They had, I remember them saying to me, and you were in the room, you would come in, and you, I remember you said afterward, I knew you weren't going to get no, that baby. No, I did. The minute, the down minute the I walked I in. in, and I saw you, I walked out, and, and I said <gasps> to the people that me. were waiting for you, I didn't know I didn't. Well, I how knew. did you know? Because you were sitting like a zombie with an IV hooked up. It just, just uh, the, the law of physics doesn't even yeah. allow a baby to be delivered by sitting. Like, it just didn't you work. Have, uh, here's my non-professional medical opinion. I agree. you got to stay vertical as long as you can mm-hmm. with those buggers. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. honestly, and, and then I remember them saying it was like, it was this was at 30 hours. And they looked at me and I pushed. Here's the other thing. I was pushing this baby out. And they said I was 10 centimeters. And then the, the doctor came in. Imagine someone fighting in front of your vagina like this. And the doctor was like, why are you having her push? She's not 10 centimeters. And the nurse was like, yes, she is. And she's, the doctor was like, no, she's not. And I'm like, what the, what is, ha- you are arguing in front of my cervix. Like, mm, take this out of the room. I, I started to sweat. Ow. I had like nerve sweats. And they had a little powwow. And, and then they were like, you need a C-section. And I do think that labor and delivery in and of itself is a mind game. <sighs> I, I, yeah, it's a mind game. I, I think the looser your mind is, the looser, yeah. the, the, the more you dilate. I, it's so true. And that, and I, the I, hypnobirthing book really puts that into perspective. Yeah, I did do hypnobirthing too. And I credit that for like keeping me sane. I remember them saying, and I, I had a moment where I was like, you can, you can decide that this is going to be a horrible experience or be a big girl mm-hmm. and decide that this is going to be a way you bring your beautiful baby into the world. And I looked at Andrew and I was like, I had to fight back every urge to scream. And I did. And we had a good, as good of a birth as we could have. But I, that's really, I, I would walk the, you know, with my stroller weeks after and I would call our friends uh, who had a C-section in Pittsburgh and I was like, I would talk about, I was like, did, were you disappointed? And everybody's experience is different, but I had to talk it through and understand how long did it take to heal. I had to talk through it. It was very traumatic for me. A lot of C-section moms I talked to have had that. You went. You had the best case scenario with your first two. My decision for um, a, a birth without an epidural really wasn't anything more than I just. This sounds weird, but uh, the more physical pain that I feel like I experience, the stronger that I am. You have and, to be right. The stronger I have to be, and I always thought to myself, if you cannot endure, and this is just myself, and I, I am not saying anything about anybody else's birth birth story, but if you can't get through twenty four hours of pain, how the hell are you getting through eighteen years of emotional <laughs> and torture, sleep deprivation? So I, it was just that I just wanted to push my body and see how far it could go. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't. Real, I, I had a wonderful, wonderful doula by the name of Maggie McCarthy, who I don't think I could have gotten through without her. Mm-hmm. Um, now she is a, a she's a midwife. Um, she has her certification. That makes a for huge that. difference. It huge. was it was huge. Um, so I I that w- I don't know. I just wanted to do it. Um, it's a mind over my whole life is kind of mind over matter mm-hmm. and testing that that theory out with my third did not go as planned really didn't have a plan for her I didn't want to I knew I didn't want a midwife or a doula uh, for that one I just felt like it was a different time in my life with um just just different elements so I just kind of went with the way my body wanted to go and it Mm -hmm. wanted to go with an epidural yeah it opened up with that minded too (laughs) at nine centimeters my body was like epidural now wait remember when we were um because like of course as always in life I wanted to be like you and I'm like I'm gonna try a doula I did hypnobirthing but anyway got a doula too and do you know what happened I went into 
I went into labor a week early and she was like on our final session she was like you know this is gonna sound kind of crazy but like I haven't been on vacation in five years and I got this opportunity to go to Mexico for a week I'm sorry I smacked the microphone and she's like first babies never come early I'm just gonna take it I'll be back I was like this is great fine she was in freaking Mexico when I delivered my baby do you think this chick called me afterwards she sent me one text I was like I have been through hell and back my body is sliced open she didn't care she didn't care and it pissed me off so badly she was happy to cash that check though I'll tell you that much I did learn some good tactics hypnobirthing I fully endorse as a practice I think that it is like you said, a mind over matter practice, and it really helps to get you in touch. But I'm salty about that. I know you are. I mean, the emotion that just came out oh my of you God. from like, your doula 25 years ago. Seven. It is just. But like, can you imagine coaching someone through nine months and then never checking in I know, in but them? that's a good life lesson too, because guess what? At the end of the day, who is there for you? People yourself. You pay that's true. Yourself. I did learn that, though. That is. In the birth yeah. itself, too. But um, but yeah, you do you. However it feels right to give give birth to your babies uh was my uh, it wasn't a uh, having babies without an epidural was not uh, a painful experience to me um I really did go into a meditative state where I was chanting I like, heard it it was weird and I don't know where it came from I think it was just this primitive <laughs> primitive woman I went to see you and you were like oh Stop I was like, it. yeah I with, know with that's a bad sound no no but I mean it was crazy. yeah. It was a bad. It was a bad sound. I didn't go in though. No, I didn't want to so, break your vibe. Yeah, it did. It. I mean, it, I don't. No, it didn't hurt. It didn't hurt. It just. I had to get through it, and I knew that there was no way out except to get this baby out. That's a metaphor for life too. There's no way out but through. Yeah. There's no way out but through the vagina. It does feel like the biggest poop you ever have to take. I like, didn't get the, that. The crowning. Oh my god. I gosh. did not get that. I was standing up and I was like. She's, I'm having birth on a hospital. I'm giving birth on a hospital floor. It was, and then the epidural, of course, set me back like another three hours. I would, I would have had that baby on the floor, certain of it. I was like, she was there. Do you regret that? Giving no. that epidural? Yeah. I, no, I knew, like, I, I know what I need. And I, I needed a little rest. And that let me sleep. I got that shot. I fell right asleep. And plus, I, I was not in a position at that moment to be like, requiring more medical attention because no one was available to help me at the moment mm -hmm. you had a little bit of difficulty with the third I did only because they, they I had you. right I had uh cholestasis which um holds the toxins in like this is non I don't remember every it's detail something you're like well I wasn't my my liver was liver. holding toxins mm -hmm. and they were worried that it would affect the baby so at exactly 37 weeks they induced me and I will say that both of my children the older two I baked until after 40 weeks so my body holds on to the babies um they put me on a ridiculous amount of pitocin and I just wasn't oh. going anywhere so then I mean but it happened eventually I don't well how because it I happened. had an epidural I ended up and I relaxed I just let it go. I so. feel like we should do a whole separate epidural. <laughs> I wish I would Cecilia? have had it on video. Oh my god! Do you? Yeah, I thought about that. Oh, too. Like I don't think I didn't. I, I didn't have a horrible experience. They put something in my back, and then it was. Yeah, I mean, numb. I with with our baby with Cecilia, I stood up, and like you said, like I stayed vertical as long as possible with her. And this is like a whole separate episode. I don't know how Steve was in the delivery room, but. Andrew, <laughs> he needed a wheelchair and like smelling salts. <laughs> he was ready to 
No, I had a good guy. God love him. Yeah, no, I oh, had no, a great he, guy. He was good though, but he got no, a he was good. Yeah, but Andrew's he's good. he's a little. He, he, he gets, got a little. He, got he doesn't like blood and stuff. Yeah, Andrew hates blood, and so to this day, like I was vertical for the longest time. I was at nine centimeters with no epidural, and I was waiting for them to come in. And he, I look over, and he's gray as the pavement. I was like, you better get your shit together. <laughs> and the nurse was like, if you faint, you have to go to a different ward of the hospital. They literally had him in a wheelchair, sipping <laughs> Sprite out of a straw, and and waving smelling salts I will never let him live that down no, he is the can't. best guy ever but it was the most hysterical thing and here I am with a baby falling out of my body no epidural and I was like you've got to be kidding me like you got to get it together and he did of course he did but yeah that's how I always describe it. it's like cramps and then just like a big no never got pressure never got the poop feeling you didn't uh-uh but people have said that they also it's like pressure they also talk about body. the ring of fire yeah I don't think I got the, well I didn't push Without an epidural. Uh, the so. ring of fire is, it's that for hot those sensation. of you that don't know, it's like a hot burning sensation, I guess what, when the baby's crowning or coming yes, out? Yes, yes, when you're it's like, delivering. That's it's, weird. I'd like to know the history. Like the, the, I mean, I just think it is what it is. It's like really hot. It's like burning? <laughs> irritated and burning. Oh, oh God. Um, We're beautiful. Women are beautiful creatures. They really are. Well, the V-back is a big deal. The V-back so is good. So kudos to you. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, for anyone out there who wants to give it a try, I always say if you feel like it's something that you want to try, find a Research doctor. Research it. Yeah. Yeah. Look into it. I think it's a beautiful thing and I think it's possible. Proof, yeah. Case in point. I do. Like, I think the first thing I thought after I had Sam was like, holy shit, I, I, I did this. Yes. And I said, to, I remember mommy came in the delivery room afterward. I was like, I thank you because you did this for me. And I had no knowledge or appreciation. I don't think I've said that yet. You have to say that. Oh, all right. I will. Say it now. Hey, she's listening. Thanks, mom. <laughs> okay that's it we want to hear what your thoughts are and your experiences are too so follow us on instagram check us out drop us a dm and like we said before we're going to get into some fun episodes where we do advice advice from non-experts so we want to hear like your life and relationship problems and struggles and questions um, i can promise either one of us has probably dealt with what you're what you're going through like i said there's going to be a time where we come on and we can bring some experts on and get some professional insight we should say that stuff. again we are not experts we are very <laughs> opinionated non-medical <laughs> people very opinionated unintelligent people just kidding we're actually pretty smart but we are not professionals I do we do have to say that because people get in trouble these days for um giving advice that without those letters behind their name but you know that by now because you're listening to this podcast and um doctors wouldn't swear like we do <laughs> so um we want to hear your birth stories though like I would love if on any of our channels you guys like tell us the craziest thing that happened did you have someone almost pass out in your delivery room or go bush woman or even the postpartum experience oh, I yeah. think is mm -hmm. just reach out I'd yeah. love to hear it and, and hear how you've dealt with it and right. what methods you use to kind of for lack of a better word gain sanity back mm -hmm. and get to where you needed to be it doesn't get any easier as they get older it turns out mm. at least we're sleeping <laughs> gets easier on your body and harder on your mind yeah. hit us up thank you for listening don't forget to subscribe rate and review and we will see you next week with more good stuff bye guys Bye. <laughs>